Let me just say, I've not preached on Wednesday in forever. I never do this, but I think it's been four weeks. So I just thought I'd preach what I preached the last time, so because you won't remember it anyway. You remember not, you know, it says that you remember 95% of what, you, you forget 95% of what you learned within about 36 hours, so. Huh? Unless you write it down. Good. I'm kidding. I'm not going to re, I'm not going to recycle. But uh, I, um, Justin and I were able to go on retreat to New York City. We went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle four weeks ago, and I'm telling you what, just the Lord just blessed our socks off um, there, and then we didn't have service because of Thanksgiving, and Caleb has preached a couple times for me, and hadn't he done a great job? Amen. I got to sit, I don't know if y'all saw me, but I was up in the balcony last Wednesday night for the whole, his whole message, and I came away just praising the Lord that not only was he able to fill my spot, but he brought a fresh word. And it ministered to me. It ministered to me greatly. And uh, I just want to, I want to encourage you to encourage those that are um, serving in this church, whether they're Sunday school teachers or whether they're children's directors or youth leaders or um, children's workers or whatever that they may be, deacons, encourage them. And we, we need, the Lord says that there needs to be food in his house. And, you know, that comes through man, that comes through women, that comes through people, that comes through Christians. And we need to encourage those around us. Amen? Encourage the worship leader. Encourage the, the pastor. Encourage, we, we need encouragement. We need support. Anyway, it's not what my sermon's about. Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. Um, I, I picked this up uh, four weeks ago, the last time I preached, and I didn't finish. So we're going to dive back into this for just a minute. If you remember at all... Matthew 5, if you know, we are, we are in Matthew 5 right now, the first uh, eight or ten verses in the Beatitudes, right? And this is Jesus' teaching. And Jesus continued right after the Beatitudes, and he said, Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not even the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law, until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. For whoever practices and teaches these commands, for whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we just, we just surrender ourselves to you, our minds, our hearts, our soul, our spirit, our body, everything that we ever have or ever will have. We surrender to you, Lord, and I just, uh, I personally come in here, Lord, to be changed by you. I don't come in here to try to change the kingdom of God. I come in here to try to be changed toward the kingdom of God. And to pursue the kingdom of God. That this isn't out of habit, that this isn't out of ritual, but it's out of a great need for a Savior. Lord God, I am in great need of a Savior. And I just ask you right now, as I ask over this church body, that you would change our hearts. 
And Lord, that we would wake up to complacency. That we would, that the dead would arise. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you, and I'm, this isn't even part of my message, but consider that you may be asleep. Don't think everybody else is asleep and you're awake. Consider you might be the one asleep and you need to be awakened. Okay, that's, I, I, and I'm saying that to myself. Maybe I'm the one. Everybody else is awake but me. When we get into the Word of God, approach the Word of God as though you are about to be taught a revelation. God is about to speak to you directly because you have a need and God's about to, give, about to fill that need. We're not just here to sit and warm a pew and go through church because we, our mamas taught us to do that. Scripture shows us that we can't live on mom and dad's religion anymore. It doesn't matter that we're Abraham's descendants. We have to make a choice. It does matter that we're Abraham's descendants, but we still have to make a choice. So we can't go on what we've been, we can't go on our past. We can't go on, we, we've got to go on our heart and our walk where we are right now. God's ready to meet you right where you are right now. You don't have to bring anything. In fact, you're going to see, it's going to show in the, in tonight and come Sunday, God doesn't, God's not so worried about what you have to bring anyway. Don't worry so much about what you have to bring. Bring yourself. Give yourself. Give your heart. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for your heart. You can bring the gifts. He's, he's going he's he's to bless you, but the gift isn't the important thing. You're the important thing. You're the gift. You're the pearl that he would sell everything and buy the entire piece of land for. You. Not even the whole, everybody. You. You. That's how important you are, and that's how much God wants to get a hold of you, that he'd sell everything. You know what he did? He gave everything. He gave his son. Not only did he give his son, but when Jesus was identified with sin and the son cried out to the father, he separated himself from that sin right before Jesus died. Can you imagine that pain? That pain of the father? Do you remember when Jesus cried out on the cross and there was no answer? Church, are you with me? That's what the Father gave for you. Now, it didn't last. Father God raised Jesus from the dead and restored him to the highest place. But he gave everything, okay? So, I want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe I'm the one that needs to get something tonight. That's for you to say and me to say. Okay, enough said. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. Uh, let me go back. I, I'm kind of, I kind of feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to say one other thing. Therefore, anyone, this is 19, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Something jumped out at me today as I was going back over the scripture in that Sometimes we can get so off, even in our own teaching, that we start to overlook some of the commands that God gives because we might want to call it grace. There's grace. So we don't, you know, I've even talked with people recently about divorce or about certain sins that, you know what, it's okay. They need to be okay with that. 
And the word says, no, you cannot waver from my word. Yes, God has grace, but not greasy grace. Do you see, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But if you will teach the commands, if you will learn the commands, walk the commands, what does it say? If you will practice and teach, you'll be called great. Practice and teach. What's good for me is it doesn't say that everybody that I teach has to do it in order for me to be blessed. Hallelujah. I'm responsible for my response. You're responsible for your response. But what's also good is when you throw that word out, the seed's been planted, you're not responsible for what grows. God is. God brings the growth. You're responsible for the seed. You're going you're gonna to be called great in the kingdom if you will practice the word and teach it. So you may say, Pastor, I barely even know the word. Great, you're a perfect product to go out here and practice it and teach it. Do you, think, do you think the disciples knew the word? They didn't. They had to practice and they had to be, they had to be taught. They had to be discipled. But let me tell you, it wasn't long until they were teaching and practicing and, and doing. I guess, I'm, I guess the word tonight is the Lord's trying to charge you, trying to get you going, trying to cheer you on. I, I think I'm kind of uh, uh, heaven's cheerleader tonight. We've got to get it out. You want to be called great? Let me tell you, men love to be called great. Men need honor. How do, men, how do we get honored, men? Practice and teach. You know what's so good about that is it's hard to take from a teacher that doesn't practice it. But look what comes first. Practice. You walk it and then start teaching it. Have you ever taught something you didn't know anything about? I've done that. It doesn't work. You get somebody who's, who's in the middle of it and they ask a question and you have no application to give them. Well, I don't know. Let's find somebody that's been through this before. Well, good idea. Someone that's practiced and taught. The entrance in the, into the kingdom of God. Let's go on to uh, verse 20. Unless your righteousness. Now, I want you to know, come Sunday, we're going to start on blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, this is Jesus' teaching on how for you to walk a successful life, how to walk an abundant life, how to walk a blessed life. And if we go all the way back to the beginning of the Beatitudes, do you remember what the word blessed mean, meant, means? Does anybody remember? Thank you. Happy. Let me tell you, in today's world, it is hard to remain happy. And it's easy to get down. I found it's a lot easier to get down than it is to get happy. It's a lot harder to be pulled from happiness. I mean, it's a lot harder to be pulled from sadness than it is to be pulled from happiness. But the entire Beatitudes are all about learning how to get happy and stay happy. And I'm not talking about 
birthday cake kazoo happy and then you go home back to your mess no I mean you go home happy you go to bed happy and you wake up happy doesn't mean I'm not trying to say you don't have things that you face you will face things we're still going to get rain we're still going to have sunshine it's going to get cold it's going to get hot the economy is going to go up the economy is going to go down you're going to make mistakes other people are going to make mistakes towards you but happy are those who will follow the commands of the Lord. So what are they? It says here, this coming week we're going to be talking about righteousness. So I find it kind of funny how God, how God kind of works this tonight. Again, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. If you remember from a few weeks ago, what we're talking about is that we should be different from the world. It should be noticeably different. I was talking to one of my staff members this week and, and talking about getting, getting on fire and being a front runner, not always just, not just doing maintenance. Uh, my, my staff that I work with, I, I told this one staff member, you're not a maintenance worker. Now, it doesn't mean we don't still have to do maintenance. I still need to change the oil in my car. I got to do maintenance around my home every now and then, but that's not my calling. My calling is to go forward. Not just to live in my hole. Go forward. You're not a maintenance worker. Quit thinking like a maintenance worker. Go. Get out of your hole and move. Get going. We should be different. And, 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 and this person's like, well, well, how do I know if I'm doing good? You won't have to tell anybody. The people around you will start talking about it. Your fruit will start to show up. The problem is there's no fruit. Well, it's a good thing when you walk up and you can realize, I'm not bearing any fruit. Well, you know, I just realized I must be doing something wrong. Because if I'm doing something right, I'm going to show fruit of it. What's my fruit? In fact, is it bad fruit? Remember, I've talked to you the last few weeks about having stinky fruit. Some fruit, when it's rotten, is stinky. Do I stink or do I, am I bearing fruit? So, we should be different. And the way that we know that we're different is we should be bearing fruit. And even the world should recognize that fruit. Do you know the word, the word tells us that they will know that we are Christians by our love, by our fruit. Thank you. It will show. The entrance into the kingdom of God is by the righteousness of heart, not by hypocritical or external legalities. It's not by your religion, it's not my games, but by a truly righteous heart. And it's only, it can only happen by Jesus Christ when he truly rules and reigns in your life. I'm talking about real change. I'm talking about actual change. Again, I believe that the Beatitudes is a way to measure our heart. I'm, 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 I take so long to get through this, and I've not even got to where I'm wanting to get to. Let's go to, uh, I don't want to go to there. We know Matthew 7. I want to just touch on Matthew 7, 17. A fruit is known by its tree. Good fruit, good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. If you happen to have some bad fruit show up, it's not by some chance. It's not just some little fluke. It has been growing inside you. It take, fruit takes a while to produce. 
And then in Luke 6, 43, same thing. No good tree bears bad fruit. And it goes on to say down in verse 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You want to know your, how, what, what, how your heart is? Listen to your mouth. Anyway, I'm, I'm going quickly. Matthew 5, 24, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. So I want to ask you, what does God want? So when we start to see, in order to enter the kingdom of God, our righteousness has got to surpass that of the world. Okay, what, does, what is God looking for? Do you remember the scripture that says when you come to the altar with your sacrifice but you have issues with someone to leave it and go and make it right? Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Now, don't check out on me on the context of this scripture. What's the context? It's still Jesus' teaching. He's just gone through the Beatitudes. He's just talked about us being different from the world. And now he's starting to deal with our heart. Now he's starting to deal with our religion. If you're offering a gift at the altar, remember your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar first and go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. God wants your heart right. Your heart is more important than your gift. I think I mentioned this, but do you... Have you ever noticed that it's easier to give somebody a gift than it is to make things right? Has your husband or your wife ever given you flowers but didn't apologize? And it, nothing else was said about it and it just went on? Or you go out to dinner but no, you don't. I, I, am, I am the chief of... Going and doing stuff, but not talking. I mean, I can, I can go days without saying a word. You say, Pastor, you, you talk all the time. I, when I'm not on the stage, it's something that God just has done in me. It's not natural to me. I'm not a big talker. At least I'm not with my wife. I am with some of my friends. I go to lunch and I'm yak, yak, yak. And Elizabeth's like, who are you? Let me go with one of your friends to lunch so I can hear you talk. I'm like, what's wrong with that? She's right. I shut down with her. Men, can any men relate or is it just me? Don't answer. <laughs> what does God want? Leave your gift, fix your heart. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. Psalm 51, 16. You don't delight in sacrifice or I'd bring it. You know, I think that's key. If you know they don't, that that's not what pushes their button, why, why do that? You know, it, it, it's like... Has anybody ever read the five love languages? If you haven't read it and you're married or you're thinking about getting married, read that book. 
Because I spent 18 years with my wife trying to love her the way that I wanted to be loved. And she spent 18 years of our life loving me the way she wanted to be loved. And the way she wanted to be loved is not the way I wanted to be loved. And vice versa. So we got left regularly with a void in our life. And I'm thinking, I'm doing just what she wants. And she ought to love it. That's what I'm thinking. And then I read that book, and I recognize what my love language is, but I recognize what hers is. And I'm like, oh, no, I am terrible at that. And what's worse is she knows I know what her love language is, so when I don't do it, she knows I'm choosing not to do it. You know, it's like one of those scriptures there where if you know what's right to do and you don't do it, it's sin. That's one of those scriptures I wished I'd never read. That's not true, but it's one of those like, ooh, that goes deep into my heart. So when the Holy Spirit's telling me not to do something, whether it's clearly written in the Word of God or not, and the Spirit of God shows me this is wrong to do and I still do it, it's sin. But God's saying... Stop, stop doing what it, what it is that I'm not looking for. Now, those bringing those gifts is good. I'm not saying that putting things on the altar and, and, and going through, through some of the steps that I've shown you in the Word, but I'm telling you those steps aren't as important as getting your heart right and getting relationships right. But even, let's go another step. We need to get our relationships right. But what does it say here? Where did it go? Where was I? Psalm 51? No. Oh, 1 Samuel 15. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So then we go on to David and he says, Sacrifice and offering you don't desire. We go to Psalm 51. You don't delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You know, it's like, it's like David is saying, I believe this is directly what he's saying. I thought I knew what your heart was, but I've recognized your heart is not toward the sacrifice I'm bringing. I would bring it if I thought that you liked it, but you've shown me you don't like it. What you've shown me is you want my heart. What did God say about David? Man after my own heart. Do you see how important it is that we know the heart of God and we start to love on Him in His love language? And then the Word of God tells us as men that we're to love on our wives in their love language. How do they need to be loved? And the Word of God will show us. And wives are to love on us in our love language. The problem is we try to love on God in our love language. What we want. And David finally says, I would bring you an offering, but that's not what you want. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Do you see the revelation that David has had? That is deep. It's not just what he's saying, it's what he has understood. 
Have you ever taught somebody something that they could regurgitate it, but they didn't understand it? It's like multiplication. My child, my youngest child's learning her 12s. Well, she knows 12 times 12 is 144, but she's just memorized it. She has not put together how that works. You know, right now, that's, that's the way she's having to learn. But David not only is telling us, you know, God's wanting your heart, and it's easy for me to keep saying God's wanting your heart, God's wanting your heart. But, but when that, that transformation genuinely takes place in you, that not only you, you can say it in, in, in word and you can walk it out, but it finally clicks in you. God wants my heart. All of a sudden, we're not doing these forms of trying to give God our heart. We start genuinely giving God our heart. What does God want? May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered to you on your altar. When will all this stuff be offered? When the heart has been given. Then he'll take the offerings. Then he'll delight in those things that you have to bring. After we get our heart right, or righteous by his righteousness. You know, you know what we're to attain? We have the righteousness of Christ. When we give God our whole heart, do you know what we're clothed in? His righteousness. Then he will delight in our sacrifices. The problem is we put the cart before the horse. We want to just give God our gift and go home and be okay. And God, clean up my messes. I'm not going to change, but here's my gift. I've given you some worship. Now, why aren't you fixing everything in my life? Jeremiah 7, 21. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but gave them this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. He promises he will be our God and us his people and it will go well with us. When we fulfill that commandment, obey me. How do we want, how, we want the blessings to come and find us and overtake us? Then we hear his word and we obey it. Jesus says, do you love me? Then obey me. Amos chapter 5, verse 21, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring me fellowship, choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your heart. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. That's a pretty hard word right there, isn't it? We come in and we think our church service is shaking heaven. 
No, it's, it, it, it's our walk with him. It's our heart that shakes heaven. When one person gives his heart to the Lord, all of heaven rejoices. We want to, do we want to shake heaven? Do we want to shake earth? Our heart has to change. Our heart has to change. I mean, I, I just read right here, it's not the songs that we sing. And let me tell you, I love the songs we sing. I love the worship. I love it. It's not the rituals that we do in church. It's our heart. What does God say in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It doesn't say three, sing, sing three songs and, and take up the offering. And Now, I'm all for church. I love church. I do church. God, Jesus is coming back for the church. Jesus is coming back for the church. But we can't make it a game. It's got to be a heart change. We have completely got the cart before the horse if the church is not changing its heart. What are we supposed to be doing as a church? We're a bride. We're supposed to be getting ourselves ready for the for the bridegroom to come. Not, not playing religious games, thinking we're good people and can go out here and live any way we want to live. Nope. God says, I want to see everything that you're doing. I want to see how you're walking. Are you walking righteously? Are you walking according to my word? If you do, it's going to go well for you. Oh, my goodness gracious. God hates religious games. It's righteousness he desires. Micah, I'm going to finish with two scriptures, and we're going to get none. Micah 6, verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand of rams, ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer him my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Now you go back to the Beatitudes and there, those are there. Righteousness, humility, and mercy. God's not satisfied with offering. Uh, you men, if you've all been in the bathroom, you've seen this verse. What does the Lord require when you're in there going to the bathroom? What does the Lord require of you? <laughs> That's what we get, uh, ladies, when we're in the bathroom. What does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you what I'm thinking right there. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Matthew 9, 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He doesn't want sacrifices. He wants us to be merciful. Now let me leave you with this, with this thought. This is a thought that I had this afternoon about 5 o'clock as I was praying over this scripture. What does offerings mean? Now this is not thus saith the Lord. This is, I, I believe that the, the Holy Spirit was working in me as I was working this out. But this is kind of from me a little bit, so you just chew on this. But I, I think we so many times think our offerings are our tithes or some type of gift. 
You know, it talked about olive oil. It talked about our gift that we bring. And I think those are included in that, without a doubt. But I also think it could be our opinions. I think it could be our desires, our motives. I think it has to do with anything we think we have to offer. I think it could be our service. I think it could be, I think it, it could be almost anything that we put, put value on as men and women that we think that we're offering to God. Now, many of you might be in leadership roles in your line of work, in your home, in the church. You know, when you, when you have something to offer, maybe you're working in children's ministry. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking in my box because of church, but think outside your box. When you think you're offering something, the Lord wants your heart. Get your heart right, you will have something to offer. Not that it's going to better God, but that God will receive and love. But when we're offering him something without the heart, he doesn't want that. He wants your heart. So many times I have served and I have worked in the church and in my life realizing my heart's not right. I need to get my heart right and then get myself plugged back in here. But when my heart's wrong, I've got to pull back and say, okay, God, I have missed this. This has become about me. And I start getting my feelings hurt. I start getting unforgiveness because it all becomes about me. And the Lord says, wait a minute. You've gotten off. Get your heart back right. The Lord says, it's about me. Make it about me. Make it about Jesus. Are you, guys, are you guys okay? Listen, you don't have to become a, uh, you don't have to become a, uh, a marathon runner tonight. We just got to make it 10 feet. Just make it 10 feet. When you get to the end of that 10 feet, praise God. Have a little party. Um, celebrate your victory and then go another 10 feet. You know, we need to celebrate a little bit. And I'm one of the worst ones not to do it. I'm always wondering what we're doing next. And sometimes we need to stop and celebrate. Make it 10 feet. Walk righteously. I had a moment today where it wasn't a big righteous decision that I have, but it was a decision I had. And I just stopped for a minute and thought, okay, what's, the, what's a righteous decision I could make? And it wound up being different than the one I was going to make. And it was a non-issue. It wasn't a big issue. But either I'm, I'm considering the Lord and His Word and what I'm walking or I'm not. And it's so easy not to. Make it 10 feet. Make it one foot. And you know what? Throw a party. Elizabeth is about to finish her first semester at Tennessee Tech. And we're about to have a party. I am not kidding. It is time to celebrate. Celebrate good time. Come on. It's a celebration. I'm a big Cool in the Gang fan, by the way, if you didn't know. Okay, stand up with me and let's pray. There's a party going on around here. A celebration.
to last throughout the year. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We're going to celebrate and party with you. Come on now. (laughs) Those of you that might be new tonight, this is not normal, but... Celebrate. Celebrate. You know what? Don't get so serious with yourself that you can't stop and celebrate for just a moment. Find all the apartment rooms. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name, we just surrender to your, to your throne and to your kingdom. And Lord, you're so good. Lord, we just acknowledge the goodness of of God right now. And Lord, we're not who we used to be. And Lord, where we deserve to be, we're not there. If you can just think for a moment, as bad as things may be going in your life, you're not where you deserve to be. And you're not going to stay there. God is a deliverer. And he responds to the cries of his children. Lord, we just acknowledge your greatness and our great need for you. Father, we just ask, Lord, that that your word tells us you've given us the power over sin. You've given us the ability to walk righteously. We just struggle sometimes. But, Lord, let us think about you and your word and your commands and let us get into your word and your commands and let us start to walk and practice your word. And, Lord, I just ask you, rescue us. Rescue us from these things that we're facing. And Lord, your word says that if we'll obey your word, things will go well for us. Well, Lord, right now, let a spirit of obedience come over us. And Lord, let us walk faithfully with you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Fill us again. Fill us again to overflowing with your spirit. And Holy Spirit, do what you do. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, we're going to walk with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great rest of the week. We'll see you on Sunday.